from Five Years New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. Guys, what's going on? Hello. We are we are here. It is here. it is the end of the year. I That's feel crazy. like it, it feels very real to me today as we record. Really? Why? Why today? Uh, well, you know, there's like all these things to me that signify December coming. It's my wife's birthday tomorrow as we okay. record. Cool. And it is, you know, we're now getting like deep into, into Hanukkah. My son is complaining about his lack of trucks. Nice. Uh, which is, it's, it's very strange. Uh, this is the first time because he's three and a half. So this is like the first Hanukkah where he really anticipated it and had like some opinions about what he should get. Uh, last year he like enjoyed getting presents, but wasn't like, but I wanted this. And now it's like, I'm getting the full unadulterated shitty three-year-old in my face. And I'm like, man, I can't take it. Uh, so yeah, that's why it feels like the holidays. <laughs> nice. Not enough trucks. Nice. Not I just feel trucks. like, I don't know. I, I guess he it's, wants yeah, to know it's... when the vine pair list of top 50 truck toys is coming out. <laughs> Never. We don't, uh, we don't rate trucks. <laughs> we should. Yeah, Bummer. we should. Um, yeah, I guess. Does it feel like December? I guess it does. It feels like December. It feels like there's a lot going on. Yeah. A lot of st- things. There's still a lot of leaves on the trees in my park, so I'm mm-hmm. not like full on like December, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess, yeah, I guess we're getting there. It's weird. Today's like it's, a... It's just always dark. Like that's... Yeah, yeah that's December, dude. I hate, yeah, I hate when it gets dark early. <laughs> we get it. You're a summer person. We know. Yes. Yeah. I like summer. I like fall. Early fall. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. Yes, no. I do. I like fall. You're a summer baby. I, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> Summers are the best, the best season. <laughs> Yes, we've already we've already heard you expound upon why the entire world revolves around Adam Teeter's birthday. But just those of us who were born in the winter. Look, here's, here's, here's the deal. It's just my deal. It revolves around me. So let's keep conti- continuing, uh, continuing on. Uh, Seeing so of other people on the podcast, Joanna. Mm-hmm. What did you drink this week? <laughs> um, I actually had quite a magical uh, Saturday night oh, for wow. New York City dining. Yes, um, we. Got some dinner and drinks with a few friends who were in town, and we walked into Bouvet at seven thirty on a Saturday. That never night. happens. Four people. The guy was like, "Yeah, we'll just push two tables together." I was what? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask any questions. Um, so actually, I think the last time I went to Bouvet because it's so hard to get into is for breakfast. Yeah. So I didn't realize like they have a very extensive cocktail list there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> classic cocktails so i had a martinez for the first time nice and that oh. was very good i enjoyed that a lot mm-hmm. mm. and then after bouvet we just walked right into katana kitten and it was amazing as well. wow. they were like yeah sure we have a four top right here for you and we're like all right this is th- this is the benefits of staying in new york city yes this yeah. is why you stay in new york city for thanksgiving mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah that's how it great. works and i had a boiler maker at um Katana Kitten. Oh, nice. Great, with Toki Whiskey. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, good drinking weekend for me. What about uh, what about you, Zach? Yeah, Zach. Uh, so, two things. I actually had a pretty good drinking weekend, too, I suppose. Uh, Caitlin <laughs> and I were able to, our Solomon was uh, up and up visiting the grandparents uh, for the weekend. So, we were able to go out to dinner, and I brought a bottle of 05 Predatory del Barbaresco, Mokagata, which is one of their single vineyard Barbaresco bottlings, and it was delightful. We went to uh, actually a restaurant I used to work at here in Seattle, and it was really nice. We kind of were like, had been planning to go, we were like, well, we should go out one of the nights that uh, Saul's gone, and then we just kind of like left it. it. It is 
a lot easier to get a table in Seattle than it is in New York and a lot of places. So it wasn't like a, a magical thing that we were able to get a table, but mm-hmm. uh, we went out to dinner, took uh, Lila, who is now two months old and slept through basically the whole meal, thankfully. So it was, it was real nice. And then the other thing that I had that I've been playing with around at home is a, is a cocktail um, that I've been really intrigued by. And I, I like to just kind of experiment with the home bar a lot. And um, we had had previously out somewhere um, a drink not that long ago that had some um, like a black pepper syrup. And it reminded me that like, I really like pepper in cocktails if it's applied correctly. And so I've been playing around with that at home and the, the drink that I've landed on, I don't have a name for it. Maybe you guys can help me with that is uh, it's an ounce and a half of rye whiskey. It's a three quarters of an ounce of uh, dry curacao, three quarters of an ounce of Amaro, in this case, Lucano um, that I like to use and then stir that serve it in a, in a rocks glass with a large cube and then just uh, crack a little bit of fresh black pepper over the top. Mm. And it's really good. I love pepper and whiskey. Like it goes really, really well together. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's something about like, as opposed to doing it as a syrup or whatever, something about like just the fresh crack on top that gives you more of the aroma of the pepper that I really like. So yeah, Mm. that's kind of what I've been drinking. That sounds good. How about you, Adam? Uh, So I did not have a magical Saturday (laughs) uh, because, uh, yeah, I was home and uh, it was the Auburn Alabama game. Uh, all, mm. Otherwise, known was the Iron Bowl, and we, we came really close to having a magical Saturday. I did. We went into you know multiple overtimes, and uh, so I did go out and do a little tailgating. And I had uh, two beers I really liked. One was obviously a mainstay for me, which is Sweetwater IPA, which was very good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also tried Wicked Weeds Hazy, which was pretty good as well. Oh. Um, so those were fun. And then I too have been doing some cocktail experimenting at home, Zach, but I've been doing so in consultation with the host of Vine Pairs Cocktail College, uh, Tim McCurdy, in which I have been <laughs> trying to recreate and think I have the coldest martini in New York. Um, Ooh. So yeah, <laughs> I've been, been playing around with it a little bit and working on the dilution to get it just right, uh, but doing a little mix of you know, some playing with the gins that I've been using, the vermouths, and then how the dilution works to get the martini super, super cold. Um, mm. And it's been really delicious. And I, I think I'll be doing that again this weekend. Very cool. Yeah. Are you able to get it cold enough in whatever freezer you have at oh, home? Oh, yeah, it gets I, super cold. Oh, okay, cool. Super cold. And then I think the difference is, you know, it, it's very similar to what I've had at Hawksmoor. The difference of what I'm doing compared to what they do is they go from freezer and then when they go to service, it's coming out of thermoses. So basically they get it even colder because they're using obviously an industrial freezer and then they're going to thermoses sitting behind the bar. Whereas mine's just coming straight out of the freezer. Mm -hmm. Um, But it works. It works really well. And I have to tell you, you invest in a permanent martini thermos to keep in your freezer. Just oh, that way, it's maybe. always there at the ready. Maybe. What what kind of what's your uh, what are your gins? I mean, so I've been playing with a bunch. I used Plymouth. I used Citadel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I've yet to use Monkey Forty Seven. I might. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's a favorite. So I have to. But I have to consult with my, you know, my partner here, mm-hmm. Tim, to see if I should <laughs> use Monkey Forty Seven. Yeah, don't you? Do you lose any of the? Because f- it's so so cold, right? Like how much of the flavor? That's why. Like you got to got to use a gin that's like more. I found that, that has a lot of like in your face kind of botanicals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then what you gain is this incredible like viscosity. Texture, that's just, yeah. Yeah, the texture is incredible mm-hmm. and it just makes it way too easy to drink, uh, which is mm-hmm. why I only, I always make when I've been playing with them at, uh, at home the last two times, I made enough that everyone can have one. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Smart, so I made up this like this is like here's <laughs> four, Russian. right? Or here's two, <laughs> and that's it. So that you're not like, oh, I, yeah, that was easy. I'll have a second. I'll have another. You know, yeah. and then you just sit there and you're like, wow, had a lot of martinis. That's a <laughs> that was a crazy idea. Uh, but yeah, really delicious. So that's mm, what I've been up to. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Um, speaking of Tim. Yeah, it's time to welcome him onto the show. So today we're going to talk about Vine Pair's top fifty spirits of the year list, which we dropped this week. And uh, you know, the the person who's really integral to putting that list together every year is Tim. So Tim. What's going on, man? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, yeah, he was sitting here the whole time I was talking yeah, about it. It's not like, weird. It's not like just, he just came in the studio. Am I supposed to ignore that I heard all the banter, or uh-huh. what? Should we just like pretend that never happened? Yep. No, you can pretend that you heard it all. You heard it all. Um, but Tim, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the list, um, how it gets put together every year, and uh, you know, obviously you did post a meme that said there's all bangers. All bangers, all the time, all 50 bottles. Thank you, Kendall Roy, for approving of this list. But uh, Waystar Royco approved. It is Waystar Royco approved, although he's not. He's probably not going to be a member of Waystar Royco for very long. Probably not much further. Who knows? God, this is not a truck episode. podcast or a succession podcast. That was a, that was a rough episode. Though. It was. It was. Too much birthday. But In anyways, terms of too much birthday. <laughs> anyways. Yeah, to answer your question, uh, so this is a top 50 list it's the second time we're doing it right this is the second time we've done it um and i think that maybe did come into play with a few things that we can talk about but just i don't know just to i guess to run through the list by the numbers right so this is this is by by my calculations 331 days in the making between the start of the year Mm -hmm. and the end of the year hundreds of bottles tasted and i say hundreds that that's not hyperbole we're we're talking you know closer to a thousand than 500 but hundreds of bottles tasted throughout the year and then ultimately four would be the last number four tastings when we have our very long short list bringing those into the office tasting them all together as a group multiple times settling on the top 50 and then working on the ranking so yeah, yeah it's a it's a big undertaking so, I mean, obviously I was a part of creating the list, but you, you lead this um, mm-hmm. endeavor. Do you think that like a top 50 list, it's always just based on where we are as a drinking culture, right? In the United States, right? Cause this is a list created for, you know, all of our readers, but you know, it's being created in the United States. So like there's sort of the taste references there. Do you feel like it, it's always just default that the number one is going to be a whiskey? <laughs> good question i think that's i think that is influenced by the fact that we are based in the united states and mm-hmm. the majority of our readers are here um but i think that could probably be true in so many places just mm-hmm. because whiskey in general there's such a broad range of styles yeah. and i think when you want that number one bottle too you want to be able to drink it probably in a number of different occasions and whiskey really kind of like stands up for that right like right it it's it's going to be very hard. I'm not saying it probably never happen in the future. We look forward to it happening, but I think it's going to be very hard for a clear spirit to make number one mm-hmm. one day. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I was going to say it makes sense to me that you could eventually end up with a different barrel aged spirit as the number one mm-hmm. because of the sort of the the preponderance of different use cases for it but yeah clear spirits i mean i think there's a lot of possibility for using them in a lot of different ways but it is true that for most people when confronted with a clear spirit it's probably going in a cocktail they're probably not sipping it neat Mm -hmm. yeah right that said there are a couple on here that i think are really really exciting as you know kind of sipping 
beverages more than mixing beverages. And and I'm in particular curious, you know, this is a list that has a, a strong representation of mezcal, which, you know, can range in terms of its color. And obviously there is a little bit going on with um, some barrel aging in some uh, cases of mezcal. But to me, that was maybe the surprise category when looking just kind of at the the numbers that it that mezcal is as well represented as it, as it is on here. Tim, does that to you speak to something that's in, in particular going on right now in mezcal? Is it just the availability or like, why are we kind of living through this period where, where mezcal is so exciting? I think this also ties back to Adam's point and question before, which is that we want the list to also overall, right, represent quality, mm-hmm. represent bottles that we absolutely stand by and would love for people to go out and buy or give to people. But ultimately, it should also represent in a little bit like what's happening right yeah, now. Trends and yes. yeah, and the market. And I think you hit on a good point there, Zach. Like, Mezcal is very hot right now. It's probably, I don't know, the 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 hype surrounding it is probably bigger than the actual volume and yeah. dollar sales. But people are very excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, there's been a lot more investment in Mezcal. So it's easier to get hold of or more widely available. And, um, and more yeah, that, on the market. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so there's more in the market, and we've we, yeah we've definitely tasted more mezcal this year than any other year. I think you mm-hmm. also find with mezcal what's been really interesting is this year as opposed to last year. I mean, look, it, this has been an issue with tequila for a while, but I really felt like in 2021 you saw, especially from the beverage community, this massive backlash against the celebrity sort of mm-hmm. rush into mm-hmm. that into that category specifically, and it just it hasn't happened in Mezcal in the same way yet. Yes, there's a few, mm-hmm. but not, so there, I think Brian there was, Cranston. This, there was, yes, <laughs> Brian Cranston, but there was this like shift, right? Where it's like, yes, there are great tequila brands. And one of them that's number three on our list that are still, you know, very much absent from their association with celebrities. But there was just so much of it this year from the rock to Kendall Jenner, to, you know, everyone who sort of rushed in. And then there was, you know, a lot of people who were like, you know what? Casamigos actually sucks. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's great that people like, like it but it's actually just sugar water and so i think a lot of people were just like you know th- if this is where tequila is gonna go we need to try to to find the other agave spirit that feels much more i hate to use this word but authentic mm-hmm. and true to its sense of place etc because what has always i think excited beverage people about agave is that it really does give a sense of place where it's mm-hmm. grown whether it is being used in tequila or whether it's being used in mezcal etc and so you know if people are going to rush in and start basically just creating like you know bourbon tequila or you know coca-cola tequila mm-hmm. people in the beverage are like then fuck that we're going to go somewhere else and so mm-hmm. i think that really happened a lot in 2021 well, and I think, you know, more than just the sense of place that you can get from uh, Mezcal, you have also the incredible, almost infinite variety of agave species that can be used to produce Mezcal. And while Espadine is like the, the biggest and is very mm-hmm. closely related to Blue Weber, which is what's used for tequila, you do have that possibility for all these different expressions owing not just to place, but to type of mm-hmm. agave or whether it's um, a single type or a blend. And so you just, yeah, you have this this sort of, you're never going to have a, a unified sort of idea of what mezcal should taste like, right. which gives a lot more room for differentiation. It makes it, I think, harder for there to be a few behemoths in the in the marketplace because no one is going to be able to sort of dictate what the equivalent of Blanco tequila is like in mezcal. Yeah, totally. I think mezcal is the Armagnac to tequila's cognac. <laughs> Interesting. But more popular than Armagnac. <laughs> yeah, more popular than Probably. Armagnac. <laughs> it's the next big, big, biggest thing, Armagnac. Who said that? 
uh, Sopranos Not episode to the list. Uh, <laughs> 20 years ago. The next vodka, they said. Yeah, no so way. it still hasn't happened. Check, check back in 2022. Maybe Armagnac will crack the list. <laughs> uh, Tim, the other thing I was sort of curious about when we were creating this list is, you know, how much you bring your own personal preferences into, like, sort of what's coming in. Because, like, there's a good amount of gin. You're British. And, you know, I just got to, you know. <laughs> I was actually going to bring up gin because I think that was the most surprising and enjoyable part of the tastings for mm-hmm. me was the gin, the, all of the different gins that we had on the list. Um, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about trends in gin that you saw that we've reflected in the list? Mm-hmm. And and to the point before that as well, what I would say as well is like, this is a water type process because I can recommend as many bottles as I want for the to, to, to bring this short list together, but we're tasting this as a team multiple times, so my preferences can't sneak through there. That's true. So <laughs> we don't let them. say that. We don't let them. <laughs> but yeah, tasting tasting gin for this, tasting gin is a highlight in the in the calendar year for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, as a Brit, I I'll tell you, it took me it's only in recent years have I really enjoyed gin, like but, fallen in love with it. Yeah, but then when I fell, I fell hard, and then. I don't know. It, it's one of those dates on the year that I look forward to doing that roundup and, and the selection is just like always growing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think one thing, Joanna, you mentioned as well, like this is our second time publishing this list. Mm-hmm. So to my mind, if you look at last year's list, we covered a lot of the classics in gin yeah. that we think are amazing and continue to be amazing. But something about this is that like if it appeared last year, it's not going to appear this year. So I think that gave us great scope to maybe explore more craft offerings or something a little bit more esoteric. Yes. Well, and and gin has definitely entered a, a period where there is a lot of esoteric gin out there. And I think, you know, I would be really curious, Tim, for your thoughts on, you know, we have on the list, you know, you have a gin from India, which I think would probably come out and surprise a lot of people. I mean, not that there's obviously a long association with gin in India, but just mm-hmm. I think we so often think of gin as a British Isles thing or even an American thing now. But we don't necessarily think about, you know, the incredible, you know, range of gins that are coming from, frankly, all over the world. I think that's really been inspired more than anything, maybe by Japan. I think a lot mm. of a lot of people have seen the the success of Japanese gin and turned around and said, okay, we can kind of emulate that. A lot mm. of very savvy people. That that particular Indian gin, though, yeah, so like good. it's it's really good. It it's very it tastes very strongly of turmeric. Turmeric, yeah, yeah. Mm. But it's it's distinctly Indian, right? And if you're going to put an Indian gin on the list, like that, kind of makes sense. Mm. And with those gins, you know, like I think we, I, you know, the, the Adam said, or there was sort of this uh, implication that there's like a, a lot of gin. I was actually surprised at how few gins were on the list, quite honestly. Too, yeah. I think of it as a category that's, you know, as Me dynamic too. and exciting. <laughs> we can make our own list, Tim. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a category to me that's as dynamic and exciting as, as really any in the beverage uh, in the in the spirits uh, world, in part because you know, almost in a totally different way than the mezcal conversation a moment ago, you have this infinite palette of flavors. It's not the base material in this case, but the botanicals and whatnot that are used to to infuse and create the flavors eventually. But it's, it is a place where you can see, you know, I don't know if I necessarily, you know, terroir is a little bit of a, of a dicey thing for me as a word. And, and I think given that the makers of the gins are choosing what to put in there, it's not exactly terroir, but you are very clearly seeing whether it's with, as you said, the Japanese gins, um, you know, Indian gin, gins from um, Southeast Asia, gins from all over the world, people really looking at their local ingredients and saying, you know, what can we add? to this classic gin formulation that makes it 
unique to our place, which is super cool and super exciting. And yet I have this question for you that, that comes back to the top gin on this list, Ford's gin, which is like all of these, these sort of explorations of gin are fascinating and interesting, but are they in some ways kind of limited for what they can do in cocktails and especially the kind of classic gin canon? Yeah, I think a hundred percent. That's, that's a, a, a great point. And that's something mm-hmm. that when we were, sat down trying to configure the ranking trying to figure out you know which which gins out of all of them we preferred those 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 other styles that you mentioned they really do stand out when you taste gins side by side because they have maybe one or two hero botanicals that Mm -hmm. make them unique but that's really not how we drink gin you alluded to that before when you spoke about clear spirits like we drink gin in cocktails and ultimately yeah. Ford's the gin that came number one. You know, this 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 is a gin that time and time again, when you drink it in cocktails, it really just performs amazingly. And yeah, one thing I always say, I just can't believe the price out there. Mm-hmm. Those two things together. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're going to have one gin yeah. in your bar cart, it's right. going to be this gin, right? Of mm-hmm. all the gins on this list. Yeah. That's the gin you go for. And then mm-hmm. if you want to try something a little bit different, if you want to be like, oh, here's this, I don't know. Here's what Scottish gin tastes like. Mm-hmm. I think there's two or three on there for you to try. Right. <laughs> there's a yeah. There's a there's a there's a fair amount. <laughs> there's a fair amount. Um, like what what were you the most? Because you you take we've tasted a lot of these spirits throughout the year. Are there a few that when you tasted when we tasted them again for the top fifty, you were like the most surprised by? You were like, oh, I thought that was that you know that was something I thought was going to be in the top five, but actually tasting it again. You know, now against other things, maybe I'd put that lower. Or is there anything you're like, God, this is just as good as I remember it? I think there's a, a number of bottles that didn't make the list that <laughs> definitely apply to that that we that we tasted. And that's you don't some, have to name them. No, I, no, I won't. No, I definitely <laughs> won't because there there were great bottles within their categories. But I think that's something that's very interesting too, right? Like throughout the year, we do all these great roundups and huge tastings, and if you taste sixty bourbons side by side. One might really stand out and you might be like, oh, that's an interesting outlier. This is amazing. Then you bring it into this context where it's, I don't know, it's going up against some amazing cognac or scotch or gin or mezcal. And suddenly you're like, yeah, I'm not quite sure why that one stood out for me so much before. And probably it does just because it's it's tasted against similar uh, similar spirits from the category. So I think that happens quite a lot. Interesting. Uh, what about on the list, like something that you were just, when you tasted it again, you're like, that's just as amazing as before. Crown Royal. Crown Royal really is a, is a great one. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, could, I think anything in the top 10, but the Crown Royal, yeah, the Crown Royal is one that you come back to. It's very accessibly priced, right? For it's, a, like, it's like $73. $73. Yeah, it's <laughs> 16 years old. And we're talking a North American 16-year-old whiskey. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I think we've probably spoken about or we've definitely written about a lot in recent times, right? Like, Crown Royal is doing amazing with, like, flavored whiskeys, RTDs. So this is a brand that's kind of, like, experimenting. They're not going after maybe, like, solely prestige collectors. So something like that, maybe you do want to taste a couple of times and you're like, yeah, no, I am blown away by this because, I don't know, you, you feel like, I don't know, the, the, the kind of aficionados or the dogmatic people out there might go after you and be like, Crown Royal? And you're like, no, yeah, actually, this is absolutely amazing and 
does live up to all the other times we tasted it throughout the year. It is really crazy that it's that affordable for that age statement, especially when you look at it. I remember, you know, Tim, you and I talked about this, like when you look at it against like a boss hog or something, which Mm -hmm. is an amazing whiskey as well was on the list last year, but is much more expensive. We've tasted those side by side. I know. Right. And I think the boss hog, Retails for $500, $450. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Again, it's, it's a great whiskey, and, and I think it definitely has maybe a couple of extra finishing touches or whatever, but if you were to tell me where the $430 gap is between those, <laughs> it's, I think it's, like, very, very hard to find. And, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's I guess that's another just sign of quality, isn't it? Yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah, I thought, I, I, thought, I think we have a, a lot of really nice rise on this list. And that was also a really enjoyable part of the tastings for me. Whereas I found like bourbon and scotch to be very challenging. Hmm. It all tasted the same. Interesting. <laughs> Ooh. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. Everyone. Controversial comes, statement here from Joanna. I'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> but the rise really blew me away. We what what really was it about ones. the rise in particular that you I enjoyed? Think it, I think it's because you, you curated like very unique rise for this list. Like we had... The Danish rye, yeah. which was amazing and like really tasted like Danish rye bread. Yeah. Um, and we had the uh the barrel craft spirits rye. Yeah. Which is so amazing and like so complex and unique. Um, that really stood out to me as well. So I thought the ryes were great. Mm-hmm. I like the bourbons yeah. and the scotches, mm-hmm. of course, but I just I, it's hard. Those tastings are really hard. Yeah. I think rye is a really exciting category. Mm-hmm. I think like you say, there's a there's a number of different profiles that rye can take on anyway, mm-hmm. right? Like depending on how much rye is used in the mash bill. Right. And variety and, and when it's harvested. And there, there's a lot more, I think, variability there than maybe in corn, at least that we've seen in, in spirits production to this point. Yeah. And also, you know, people opting to go 100% rye with, you know, maybe 5% of that is malted so that you can actually get fermentation going and whatnot and, mm-hmm. and sustain it. But yeah, we're not seeing 100% or 95% corn whiskeys right. that we're like, oh my God, this blows us away. Whereas <laughs> yeah. it really does in rye. Um, but yes, it, it's an exciting category. We're seeing a lot of good things. I'm I'm very excited for, for rye releases next year and to see how it evolves yeah mm. well so tim I was, I was hoping you know obviously you, you mentioned a little bit about, about the top 10 but i was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit about specifically the top five i know we've mentioned one of them already mm-hmm. um but if we could just sort of talk through those and sort of why you felt like you know we all felt like together they they were the ones that sort of should be where they were because of, of course I'm sure Zach will ask towards the end, like where, what your sleeper hits are here, like mm-hmm. where we think are the, the exciting stuff that's, you know, on the rest of the top 50, but everyone scrolls to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to see like what made one through five. Yeah. Um, so I'm sort of curious what you think each of them says about uh, what's happening right now in their, in all of their categories too. Mm-hmm. Happily. Yeah. Um, so yeah, number five is Ford's London dry gin, which we've spoken about, but mm-hmm. yeah, just to recap there, you know, this is, Gin is a cocktail spirit and Ford's just performs and comes in at an amazing price point and price has to come into consideration here, Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe you're not going to get a $14 bottle of something in the top five, but if something performs that well at $25 within its category and yeah, and and especially now gins are going up to $50, $60, like, yeah, that's just amazing. So Ford's is is probably one of the own... Not the one gin I would have on my bar mm-hmm. cart, but it's it's one of maybe three or five that I'd be like, please let me have at least five. <laughs> um, that would definitely always be there. Cool. 
Um, number four, we have the Old Forester 117 series. this was interesting because this is hard to find, right? This is impossible you to find. <laughs> you can't get this. Um, it's so devastating, too, because I, yeah. I love, mm-hmm. love, love, love this bourbon. Yeah. And, and this was one, right, that, that made it very difficult for us. We had a lot of conversations about this bottle. Yes, because we did. We're <laughs> like, you can't buy it. Mm-hmm. Or essentially, you can, but... This is a bottle that retails at the distillery exclusively when they release it for $50 for half a bottle. Mm-hmm. And we're already seeing it going online for four to $600. Mm-hmm. For half a bottle. For half a bottle. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, typically people go after Old Forester's birthday bourbon. And then last year, the 150 series that they released, like Old Forester has a number of these hits coming out. But this to me just stood out as being incredible quality. Um, the master taster, Jackie Zykan, mm-hmm. worked on this. This is her first kind of solo release. And I was personally blown away by it. And then we all had it together and we were like, we're blown away by this. So then the question becomes, well, just because you can't find it, does that mean that this this person and this distillery mm-hmm. and product should never get recognition? Mm-hmm. Or can we put it on there and we can say like, look, congratulations. We're blown away by what you do. We're watching for next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let us know when the next one's coming down, coming out, and we're coming down to Kentucky. We're, yeah. you know, we're coming to the distillery and we're buying them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's interesting because I, I personally thought maybe that might not make it onto yeah, the totally. list because of that. Too good. It was too, too good. good. It to was really that. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, El Tesoro Blanco Tequila. That just speaks to what's happening and, and what I think agave aficionados care about right now, and, and more people should care about, which yep. is just like pure agave. Very authentic agave flavors, mm-hmm. dare I say, clean. But clean. on top of that, so it's so, so not just <laughs> not just a very sort of pure expression of agave, but also El Tesoro takes it to the next level. It delivers flavor notes that just I don't know that you get in very few, if if not any other tequilas. Mm-hmm. And again, forty six dollars. Th- yeah. This is maybe a clear spirit that I would sip as well. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. Makes great cocktails too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Joanna, I think do you remember we had we had one of our kind of staff members in the tasting as well that when we were when we were sampling this, they were like, "Oh yeah, I'm not sure I want to try because I don't drink tequila." And then they had it, and they were like, "Maybe I like amazing. tequila now." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, there you go. Well done, El Tesoro. <laughs> Number two. I feel like you might be, we might want to talk about this one. I know this is a particular favorite of yours, but it's a 20 year old Scotch whiskey. Um, it's Mortlach. It's Cowie's Blue <laughs> It's a single malt. One thing I'll say that's notable about this is if you've ever enjoyed Johnny Walker Blue over the years, this is one of the main blending components in that whiskey. For ages, Diageo never released it as a release. They had the distillery, they were making the whiskey there, but they just put it exclusively into Johnny and maybe some other higher end blends. But the fact that they've brought this out now is just, or, or in recent years, is like, I think, yeah, it's a gift to Scotch lovers. I think this is going to fastly become one of their most popular single malts. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they have, I mean, they own the majority of single malts in the world. <laughs> um, but this is just an incredible Scotch yeah, for amazing. basically anyone who likes Scotch. Um, and it's not peated. It's not peated. No. It's, you know, 
the what's interesting about the 20 is it's not just a sherry bomb so they do a lot of sherry cask industry, but it hasn't just been finished in sherry casks there's a, you know a few other casks they use there's, as there's well. some american oak on there's this american as well, oak, right yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. um but it's 20 years old this blows mccallan out of the water mm-hmm. and <laughs> I, I wasn't going to use that brand name but yeah <laughs> it's true i mean that's who they're i mean let's just be honest like that's who this is that's what it's going to get compared to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're into scotch, if you if you like the Macallan, then this is definitely your scotch. This is something you would like a lot more, I think. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful sort of packaging. It's very simplistic, you know, gorgeous bottle, you know, really, really simple box, and then just a beautiful liquid inside. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everyone that that was poured this for at the office was just like, holy shit, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, something that's really incredible. And this is, you know, again, when we talk about, is it worth the price? Yeah. You know, this is worth the price. It's like, okay, look, I know if I give this bottle to someone and they look up the price, they'll be like, yep, this is worth what this is worth. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Macallan 18, I believe is two years young. Well, I know it's two years younger and I think it retails for about $50 more. Exactly. Okay, like age isn't everything, but to some people, those numbers do matter. Well, and so. I do think also like, as you, as Tim, you and I have talked about when it comes to scotch, you know, there's, there's a lot of scotches that are being released that are old, old right? Old, like, right. yeah. And a lot of them actually at, at that age can they taste, yeah, bit. they kind of just taste tired. Mm-hmm. And this at the 20, it's just like, it's still so alive mm-hmm. and, you know, just beautiful and rich and absolutely delicious. And it doesn't have that sort of like, like flavor, you know, where it's just like everything went away. Um, and I think, yeah, and I you guys think, know that flavor. Yeah, you guys on that flavor. It's just like, I'm like, moo, 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 you know, where it's like, okay, I'm drinking because it it's old, but that's about the only reason I'm drinking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there's just something very special about this. And it's, it's something for, I think, anyone who is a whiskey lover, this is a bottle you should have, mm-hmm. um, you know, and pour it, pull out for special occasions. Yeah, real special occasion bottle, this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now the last one, Tim, which Number retails one. for a certain price, but probably <laughs> can be found for a different one. No, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> really? Not yet. Not yet. You think it's coming, though? I do think it's coming. I, I hope it doesn't come. But <laughs> the bottle is Maker's Mark. It's the wood finishing series. And this is the first of two releases for 2021. It's the FAEO one. <laughs> so what does that stand for? Fatty acid esters. <laughs> very, you know. I think I saw them play in New York when I was when I lived there. <laughs> What'd you say, Zach? I saw them play a show in New York when oh, I was yeah. there. Fatty yeah. acid esters, yeah. Yeah, they were playing down on the Lower East Side. Twenty minute jazz solos. <laughs> but I think Maker's Mark as a bourbon distillery continues to be underrated. People know it. Everyone yeah. knows it. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows the wax seal bottle. Everyone. Everyone knows it. It's iconic. But I think just the, the sheer quality of all of their base liquids is incredible. And then the thing that's always perplexed me and other whiskey drinking friends that I know and people in the industry is the fact that this really hasn't kind of taken off as it's one really of those weird. series that, yeah, that like collectors hoard. Because this is a $65 bottle. I even looked today on Drizzly. You can get it for 80 bucks, I think, in New York, and that's Drizzly and that's New York. So, like, that's pretty much MSRP, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. going for normal. I can still find it. And long story short, what they're doing, they add staves into the already aging whiskey barrels or, or, you know, barrels of bourbon. They're adding new toasted staves, 10 staves in each one, different combination each year, and, yeah, that limited expression. This is number four in the series 
And I'm just, I, I was, first time I tasted this, I was blown away. And I was like, oh my God. Every other time I tasted it this year, I was blown away. So when it came down to that, you know, tasting together as a group, I was really worried because I was like, I want people to like this as much as me. I didn't personally know like where we were going to put it on the list, but I knew that I really, really liked it. And I was <laughs> worried that people might not, I was worried it might just be me, but I, I, I know that it blew everyone else away as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And again, these are editorial lists too, right? And I, and I think it's important to say as a statement, like this series, and this is bourbon, right? This is, this is bourbon. This series is so good. It deserves more recognition than maybe it's gotten to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... I think what's really amazing about this is that, uh, you know, it is so such an incredible liquid and there are lots of other distilleries that, you know, we have obviously from a good representation from a lot of other very famous distilleries in Kentucky on the list as well. But what's interesting is that there's one distillery in particular in Kentucky that kind of seems to be able to do no wrong at this point with collectors. And it's, it's, it's odd because, yes, they also have delicious liquids, but they have some misses that people seem to love. That when we taste some of those that are going now for, you know, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of dollars against a thing like this Makers, they, you know, and you blind it, mm-hmm. the Makers blows everyone else away. And it's like, wait, so why is this bottle that MSRPs for maybe 40 bucks, but now someone's buying for 500 why is this what everyone loves? Oh, because it comes from this one distillery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that there's a there's a level setting that's going to have to happen. I think you're going to see it happen in the industry mm-hmm. where people are like, okay, wait. So there is quality coming out from a lot of other places. And Makers is a really great example of one of those very historic distilleries that like, again, okay, we get it. You, you know the brand is everywhere. Yeah. You know the wax dip bottle. So you have this sort of preconceived notion. But guess what? A lot of the brands that you're loving from this other famous distillery were also everywhere a long time ago. And you're forgetting that as well. Uh, so come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really perplexing. And I'm not saying this is the only reason for that other distillery, but I think maybe you'll find a lot of times people are just buying those bottles, keeping them on their shelves like as trophies and yeah, not even drinking them. So no, totally. it's it's kind of ridiculous. Okay, I want to ask as as Adam teased about a couple of things that are further down on the list but are yeah. and maybe more uh, un- unfamiliar to most listeners and readers. Yes. So let's start with why should someone buy a bottle of Pisco? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that question. I'm looking at the <laughs> bottle right now actually. <laughs> Pisco Sour, fucking amazing cocktail. Number <laughs> one reason. Go out, make it, skip the egg white if you're asking me. Like, I, I just, I, no, 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 I'm, no, no. Well, well I, I just, the, the smell in the glass, I don't need it. Yeah, that's I'll why you put on top. Or you, express, or you express citrus over the top to cut the, the odor, but you need the texture. Since you can't keep everything in your freezer. I'll sacrifice it. I'll, I'll do Adam's uh-huh. method in that. No, uh, the Pisco Sour is an amazing cocktail. But other than that, this is a great reminder that, you know, when we tasted this, this is a wine-based distillate and sipping it. You can sip this and it's, it has a lot of character. It has a lot to offer. There's complexity. It's underrated. And, you know, it's, it's not that different in, in kind of nature to tequila and even less so mezcal, right? Like those are things yeah. that have exploded Obviously, I'm not going to say Pisco is the next big thing, but yeah. like mm-hmm. buy that bottle and, and just really enjoy it for all those things that you get from those other spiller, uh, yeah. p- spirits. Mm-hmm. Cool. And how about the vodka that's not a vodka? Yeah, that was the one that I was wondering about too. <laughs> spirit yeah. drink. Yeah. I love the spirit drink. Yeah. It's, well, it, what's it, it's called like a spirit it's alcohol a spirit drink, drink yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so geeky a side note the reason that this isn't a vodka is because it goes so five percent of the blend that five percent of the liquid that makes up this blend two percent two percent malted yeah oh it's two percent malted mm-hmm. right thank you yeah that's pulled <laughs> off the still at a lower um proof than it should be anyway that's just a regulation but the malted rye spirit that mm-hmm. gets added to what is officially vodka mm-hmm. just gives it so much character. This is Belvedere Heritage 176. 176. Mm. <laughs> Vodka yeah. mixed nice. with malted rice spirit. Nice. <laughs> Great for a, a dirty martini or any martini. Mm-hmm. A Gibson. Vodka. Gibson would be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's very, it's very kind of rye, toasty bread. Vodka. Very cool. I'm out of questions. I mean, I, I feel like I've got, I just, I need to go to the liquor store. That's all that's going on. Yeah. We've well, covered this list. Is there any, is there one oh, other no, bottle no, no, no. we Wait, didn't We got to talk about, about peach, peach infused vodka. <laughs> we can skip the peach infused vodka because it's from the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's. Well, we, we got to talk about all the many things from Scotland. So, you know. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great flavor of vodka. No, there is one I would like to shout out. Please. Sure. And that's the Calvados at number 12, mm-hmm. Le Morton. Um, I mean, Calvados is, is great. I'm sure, I'm, I get the feeling, Zach, probably you enjoy drinking Calvados. Oh, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, this is a bottle that you can sip. It's it's crisp, it's dry, it's complex. It's not. It doesn't weigh the palate down as much for me as um, cognac. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a very heavy proportion of pear compared to apple. Oh, okay. This this cognac, but incredible in cocktails, and most importantly, will transform your martini. Oh, how? So go two ounces gin, for example, and I would say like half an ounce or a quarter of an ounce of vermouth, and then half or three quarters of this Calvados. Absolutely amazing. Wonderful martini and, you know. Tim is the martini guy. I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Sure. Well, uh, Tim, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you, to Tim. To talk about the top of list. Thanks so much for having me. It's yeah, go, If you haven't read it already, go check it out on Vine Pair. You can see all the other amazing bottles that uh, the entire editorial team recommends. Um, Tim does... You know, just it's such a tough job to lead this tasting. You know, we feel so bad for you. It's, um, it's a hard life. <laughs> it's a hard work. life. But uh, but yeah, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, Joanna, Zach, talk to you guys on Friday. See you guys next time. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcast. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.